Well, do you ever wish you could foresee financial missteps before they happen? I know we all do, right? Well, on today's episode, we're going to explore some real-life stories of regret and arm you with the essential do's and don'ts to ensure your money works for you and not against you. What's coming up here on the Retirement Reality Podcast? It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome in. Glad to have you on the show. I'm Ben George, along with Mike Coynan, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. Mike, how are we doing today? Doing awesome. Fall is here. We've had some great weather up here in the Midwest. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun so far. I know it's a great time of year. Unfortunately, the Vikings, though, have uh, gotten mm. off to a little bit of a rough start. Huh? <laughs> New topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been tough, but yeah, it's not, not too much different from my team either. So it's just part of it. But uh, they've, they've been in a lot of games. Just I know it's not the start you want, but who yeah. knows how the, what the rest of the year might have in store. Definitely a tale of two seasons there. Yeah, exactly. Well, we got a good show today coming up, and I want to encourage you all to visit the website, principalpreservationservices.com. When you get done listening to the show, if you have any questions for Mike, that's the best place to start. And if you have any questions just in general about financial planning or retirement planning, you can get some answers, a lot of answers there, just by visiting the website. Take a look at the resources tab. There's books, blogs, newsletters calculator, useful guides, and of course our podcast is up there as well. So if you have any topic you're really curious about, you can start there on the website, probably learn and get some answers that you need. But if you want to schedule that complimentary retirement review now, you can also do that just by clicking the button right there on the website. So again, principalpreservationservices.com. All right, so here's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. So I know, Mike, in this business, you've been doing it for a while. A lot of times you're learning from the mistakes that you see other people make, right? And then you're able to kind of implement into that, into what you're doing with people's uh, planning every day. Absolutely. And my, my seminars are just based off of the questions, mistakes, the concerns that people or, or just lack of knowledge of, of things that they should know that they haven't been doing. And a lot of that just has to do with mistakes. So those are you know, the big stories I, I even share in my, in my meetings. I share in my seminars, and we'll talk a little bit about those today. Yeah. All right. So we got, uh, let's see here, we got five different mistakes that you're going to regret, and we're going to tell you how to avoid them. So here's the first one, Mike. I regret taking premature IRA withdrawals. Yeah, and you know this is pre fifty nine and a half, and even after fifty nine and a half. So I, I I count that both because if you're under fifty nine and a half and you take money from your IRAs, you pay a ten percent penalty along with the you know the taxes to go on top of that. So that's a, a big mistake. I'm not a huge fan of doing that. You know, during coronavirus um, years, they allow people to take it out without that ten percent penalty, but you're still paying taxes. Um, you know, now people are regretting it, you know, and I said, even after 59 and a half, what if you're still working? I've seen people take money out while working out of their IRAs and they had other places to take it out. But again, it's your money. You do what you want to do with it. And they've done it anyways. And then it's come back to bite them because now you've been taking withdrawals out through these years to use these IRAs prior to retirement for other items, whether it's vehicles or properties or debt. Uh, which I usually recommend, don't you be using your IRA dollars for debt. And I was hurting them. Now they have to work longer. They didn't have as much saved. You know, the market the last few years has been just not great. You know, overall, it's up and down, up and down, right? And so it's really prolonged them to retire if you're taking money out of the account that's supposed to be, supposed to be 
if I can say that a Midwestern term there, sorry, Ben, <laughs> supposed or supposed to be yeah. um, for used for supplementing retirement. So uh, be very careful of that. Always, it's, again, it's your money, so you, you have full control. I just always like to show people what these are. These are the ramifications if you take it out, and just so you know, understand that. And so it's good to know what that is before you take money out. All right, going through some money mistakes you're going to regret. Um, how about this phenomenon called lifestyle creep, right? So the regret is mm -hmm. that you spent way too much in your peak earning years. And I know a lot of people do that, Mike, because their income increases. It's just only natural to say, okay, well, I've got a little bit more uh, money to spend and get out there and buy a few more things. But that lifestyle creep really to can, can kind of cut into what you're able to, to uh, save for retirement. Yeah, I, I've seen this um, recently where somebody has a household has eighteen thousand dollars a month of expenses. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, and there's and there's no children at home. So um, when you're spending that kind of money, money because you have a, this lifestyle, just because you've been making that money, that's not realistic in retirement. Um, I don't know if anybody that I have is spending eighteen thousand dollars a month in retirement retired. That's expensive. So you got to be very careful about. And, you know, it's nice to have a, have nice things. It's nice to be able to afford certain things. But that's not going to be realistic long term. You have to be setting yourself up to succeed in retirement and not to fail. And how are you going to keep your expenses a little bit lower? Most people have to have their expenses maybe a little bit lower than they were when working. Now, some of those are natural. You're not driving to work every day. You're not maybe paying for parking every day or eating out lunch every day, right? So naturally, sometimes your expenses are going down. Also, you're not funding your 401k anymore, right? So there's a lot of those natural expenses, and sometimes your healthcare cost is cheaper in retirement than it was when you're working. So things will automatically be a little bit lower, but you have to just be monitoring your lifestyle. When you get raises, it shouldn't be the attitude of, great, now I can afford to do this now. Now I can afford to do this more. Now, maybe you want to get your travel out of, way, out of the way while you have income and you plan not to do any when you're retired. I have some people like that. Um, they said, we already got our travel out of the way, you know, while I was working because when we had the money, we don't plan on doing that in retirement. That's usually the opposite. So be very careful about getting your expenses too high. What things do you need? It's a whole need and want thing. How much do I need? How much do I want? <laughs> but how much more do you want to be retired than you want to be working longer than you have to? That's, that should be the big question there. How do you help somebody with that, Mike? I mean, is there just kind of any general advice you'd give someone that, you know, maybe is in a position where they're going to get a substantial raise or, or see a nice bump in income to where you don't fall into that trap of spending a little bit more and raising your expenses some? Yeah, I usually tell people when they get raises, take part of that raise and put it in, increase your retirement savings. And if you take a little bit of your raise and you put a little bit away and you keep getting in the habit of doing that as you get raises, you increase your contributions and your, uh, your income a little bit as well uh, to pay off debt or whatever, or build up your, your emergency funds. I tell them that should be a, a healthy habit to do that. Because I also show it for those who don't, I show them, oh, by the way, you're going to run out of money when you're 78, 80 years old. I said, I expect you fully to live late 80s or 90s. Mm -hmm. So this is a scary thing that you're gonna, you could be running out of money that soon um, because your expenses are too high. So I think it scares people when I show them my software and it shows that they're running out of money at an early age. 
uh, because they aren't willing, they didn't make changes or they're not willing to make changes. And hopefully that will scare them enough to make changes. All right. Talking about some money mistakes here, Mike, here's one um, that I know a lot of parents are are finding themselves maybe regretting uh, down the road. And that's that they pay too much in tuition for their kids. And I know when you look back on that at college education and you look at all the money, I know I know you want to help your kids, you know, achieve that next level of, of education and position themselves well for the workforce and to find the job they want. But I know right now it's just trying to figure out how to pay for this in a lot of ways. So um, how do you help someone kind of maybe avoid this? Or what can you even do to avoid paying so much in tuition? Yeah. And again, I go back to, and this is my, my take on things. We have nine kids and can I afford to pay for my kids, you know, sal- you know, their tuition and yeah, we can, but do I do it? Hmm. <laughs> um, I want them to learn. I think there's a, there's a maturity that goes on when you're, when you're vested in it, you have skin in the game it, to pay for your education or you're taking out loans. Uh, you're putting your name to that to say, I got to pay this back. Well, it's, it's going to be a, a different mindset when you're paying for it, not knowing that you, your parents will help out at the end or your parents are paying for it. So I went to, when I was in college, I, I remember a, a very wealthy friend of mine where he didn't have to work a part-time job. Uh, he had an open checkbook. He could go to the store and buy clothes and buy shoes and buy eat out every day without, and tuition was covered because his dad and mom had money. And so but he didn't apply himself. I, I know that for a fact. And um, then you look at the, those who had to work a part-time job and, and really kind of budget their money and know that they had to take student loans out. We had a different mindset um, in school. So I always say college education is a privilege, not a right. And I think that our society has gotten away from that. I think everybody needs to go to college. And if we only knew if we only knew where your kids would be five, ten years later after college, that would make you probably make a big decision about would you pay for their student, mm. stu, you know, their ed- tuition or not? Because a lot of the kids are not using their degree right. um, at all. They're doing something totally they didn't even need need a degree for, or maybe they, um, some of them just decide to be a stay home mom or, or or dad in situations and raise kids. So. If you can afford it, great. Uh, but is it worth it to pay it up front? I think it's it's wise to, and I know these student loan interest rates are high, but in my opinion, I'd rather give my children money after they've been paying on the loans so they appreciate it more as an adult rather right. than they're younger and they said mom and dad's going to take care of it. And then in the meantime, you're sidelining your, your own retirement because are your kids going to take care of you of your shortfall if you're taking – $25,000 a year to, to help pay for their education or maybe more. What are they going to do if you need that money here in five, 10 years? Are, are they going to supplement that? Probably not. But you have to make sure if you can afford it, great, help them out. If you feel that's what you need to do, my my thought process, I'd rather help them out at 22, 23, 25. Even if they're paying on it for a few years, they're going to appreciate it so much more than they would when they're 18, 19 years old. Yeah, the guy just got me thinking a little bit. I mean, is it you think it's better in that approach, Mike? If you do want to help your kids with tuition and you and you have the money to do that, to just take that approach to say, well, let's go ahead and set up the loans. Let's go ahead and structure that so you can see what that process is all about. Get you kind of paying on those loans when you when you get out of school. But yeah, I can let my money grow for those four or five years that you're in school, and then once we're out, you've got a lesson that you've learned. You can kind of see how it works out, and then also hopefully I have some growth on that money 
to where I can still help you pay it down the road, but you know, maybe I was in a better position too. Yeah, and I think some people have been really good said, you know what? It's not just you, Sally. We've got, you know, you got two other brothers and sisters, right? And so uh, we're, we're, we're going to help this amount. And I think that's great when they said this is what we could commit to. We've got maybe ten grand for you. we got ten. You, you use it however, you know, you want. Uh, or we're going to put it aside. I like the fact of not even telling them we're going to help them later. I think that just scares people. Uh, you know, fear is a motivating factor for a lot of people. Fear of how big are these student loans going to be. I like that. I like them to take ownership of it and say, I'm not – I don't need to step in at all. This is your education, not mine. Um, you know, my goal is to get you to get you here and clothe you, feed you, and hopefully that, you know, teach you what's right and wrong. You know, college is, is on top of that. So I, I don't even like the fact of personally me saying, I'm going to throw 20 grand in the bank and let that money grow to help you pay off some loans later because now they're, they're counting on that. But what if they drop out of school? Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, am I – if you think you're, I'm committed to pay that student loan debt off just because you decided you didn't want to do that or you changed your major four times and then you decide you don't want to do this anymore. So again, I've seen too many people postpone their retirement because they've helped their kids or even grandkids with student loans. They thought it was a right and they had to do it because they, they, they verbally committed to it and it wasn't in the budget. It wasn't in the cards for them to actually afford to do it. And they've had to actually, they've had to work longer than they planned on it. And I think if these kids or grandkids would have known what the sacrifice was made, uh, they would have taken school more serious. Yeah, no question. All right, Mike, here's another situation I'm sure you've seen where somebody looks back with some regret when they've come to you. But uh, they retired, retiring too early, leaving the workforce too early. And now it's ended up costing them. And I'm sure that can really affect them in a number of ways when you when you leave work too early. Yeah. Some people have been just r- super stressed, and I get it. There's some your, – your workplace environment has changed a lot. And and uh, people just mentally just come in and say, I just, I just got to quit. I got to retire, and I'll make it work. I'll just make it work. And, you know, expenses are going up. We've had some super high inflation, and things are going to be very expensive. And now it's, it's – they're like, I wish I would have stuck it out. I wish I would have waited another year. And like, if you can stick it out, sometimes a year or two years longer, um, whatever you have to do to get through that period, you know, because usually the job that you just leave, you're making the most of right before retirement. And so maybe you're making, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year or more, and now you you give that up, and working two more years would have been perfect it would have got you to medicare medicare age just say hypothetically but you cut early and then you had to pay health care out of pocket and your expenses we had some tough market conditions and and now you regret it and it's like i wish i would have just stuck it out what can you have done to stick it out whether that's i don't if you have to pay a counselor you know 500 bucks a month for a, a one or two counseling sessions to get you through this if you had to join a gym to to get rid of some stress, what Hmm. did you have to do? Or do you just take a job? You know, some of them, people, they just quit entirely and retire. What if you would have just taken a job, well, maybe in the same place, done part-time, you could have made $50,000, $60,000 a year, working maybe three days a week would have been enough for you. Or maybe you take another job at least, even if it was half pay to work, uh, two years, three years longer, and it would have given you more sanity. The thing is, explore your options before you make any rash decision because there are a lot of people regretting retiring a couple of years sooner 
because of the stress, and I get it, the stress environment at work can be tough, and I've heard the stories, but you've, you've come this so far. So far, why would you want to derail your retirement by going a year or two years too early? All right, Mike, got uh, one more I want okay. to talk about with you here. And and this is one that we've talked about on the show. We've, we made people aware of on the show that, hey, a Roth IRA is something you should be considering and looking at and, and, and probably putting money into in many cases. So, you know, the regret a lot of people have right now is that they didn't start investigating that opportunity early enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the, again, the biggest regret, like you said, is people wish, I wish I would have known I, I even had a Roth 401k option at work. Um, maybe they make too much to contribute to a Roth IRA, and maybe they can't do it that way. But in, if you have a 401k, I would say 95% of these you know, these 401ks have a Roth 401k option. The employers just ha- haven't been really good about explaining that was an, an option to, to uh, invest in. So when you come to that Roth, I just remember, if, if you're contributing $1,000 a month into your 401k, if you convert that to $1,000 contributing to your Roth 401k, now your paycheck will be a little bit less because now you pay the taxes on the Roth, where when you contribute $1,000 to a 401k uh, non-Roth, you get a tax deduction. So your, your net would be less, um, but I think it's a good idea to start transitioning more and more money, just like I talked earlier in the show, Ben, that let's just say you split it in half, you have 500 into the Roth 401k or 500 into the uh, pre-tax 401k. But as you get raises, let's now let's move 700 into the Roth and, and 400, you increase your contributions, yeah. but the higher percentage goes into the Roth and eventually you should be able to get to a point where you're 100% your contributions are going into the Roth because that'll give you so much more options in retirement if you can get majority of your money, and even talking about doing Roth conversions down the line, if you can get majority of your money into Roth, um, in certain states like Minnesota, where they they have limits now that now they won't tax your Social Security as long as your income limit is at a certain level. Now we can look at your uh, Social Security not being taxed on the state level, or even on the federal level, we've seen it because Roth distributions are not taxed. Now your income is lower. Now your federal tax bracket could be a lot lower as well. Um, For situations like that to be at a very low tax bracket or to monitor or or manage IRMA, the IRMA tax tables for Medicare, the more money you make, the more money you pay for healthcare. So by doing Roth as well and Roth distributions, there are no required minimum distribution on Roth IRAs. Uh, They still require them on Roth 401ks, but Roth IRAs. Um, there's, you don't have to count that as income. Well, now you'd be at a lower bracket for your Medicare tax tables, and hopefully you'll just be at that lower payment of a, today it's $164.90. But you get to that next bracket, you're paying over $230 for that next level of Medicare. It's just more expensive health care. And then it gets to be over 300000 I mean, $300 a month and over $400 a month. So you can be paying three times the price, three to four times the price of Medicare Part B plus prescription drug plan Part D by having too, too high of income. And Roth contributions, distributions over time will actually help keep your tax brackets hopefully a little bit lower. All right. So if you haven't uh, taken the time to 
investigate a Roth, uh, consider a Roth, and, and ask your your employer too if that opportunity is there in your four hundred one k to to put money into a Roth. Now is the time to be doing that. But you know, Mike, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, you know, a lot of these mistakes are very easy to make, especially if you're doing it on your own, right? Which is why you want to work with someone that does this every day that can kind of help you uh, pre- and prevent you from making these mistakes, same mistakes. Yeah, and I think working with somebody who's who's you know specializes in that that phase of retirement, you know, pre you know close to or in retirement is key. I mean, there's so many advisors out there; they're good people, uh, but they're working with you know 20 year olds, they're working with 25, 30, 35, 40, 50, and they're in the investment selling business. You know, their goal is to get a sale, and um, obviously we get paid by having clients here as well. But as a fiduciary advisor holding the title investment advisor representative we have the license to give advice and our goal is to make sure the you know our clients are educated the best that they can understand of what we're doing and it's it's a process it's a process of understanding put you putting yourself in a position to win not just for today but in the future and by planning you're going to appreciate it so much so much more down the line by doing the pre-planning today as you approach retirement to know that you're not just doing it like that your neighbor did it or the coworker did it where they're just riding the market up and down and they have no plan they just got a bunch of investment um investment accounts but no investment plan and so the key is we're trying to put all that that mess into one understandable easy to to look at plan um, for you and it's individualized for you and your spouse um and no two plans are the same All right, Mike, let's finish out today's episode of the podcast with a question that came in from Ronnie. He says, I've been told that I don't have enough of an emergency fund in the bank. What's more important, building that up or making sure that I'm maxing out my 401k as I'm only five years from retirement? Well, Ronnie, I... It's not just one or the other. I think some people said, I do my 401k, should I build up my reserves? You know, should I pay down my house? You know, I said, yes, you do it all. Hmm. You, You just make it a habit of doing it all at the same time. Um... You know, because what I see is in the past where people say, I'm just going to pay off my debt, then I'm going to start saving for retirement. Well, uh, you wish you would have been doing a little bit along the way. It's just about habits. And I understand you're close to retirement, Ronnie. But I think building up your reserves, you should have hopefully about six months of your expenses saved, you know, in some kind of savings checking account um, cash on hand by the time you retire. I usually say six to twelve. It all depends on you know how big of a expenses you have and monthly expenses you do have. But if you have that six months, you you might want to be maxing out the four hundred one k. But if you don't, um, I don't say pull back on your four hundred one k, but make sure you're not maxing out the four hundred one k so you can get money saved for in, in those reserves. What hurt people three years ago during the pandemic was. You know, people who really struggled and they got behind on their mortgages and they got behind on rent and car payments, all that, were the people who didn't have money saved for an emergency. We need to plan for the worst. Um, and hopefully, I'm assuming, Ronnie, you're already on pace and you have a good amount saved for your 401k. It's great to, to max that out. But again, not at the expense of not having that backup plan. All right. Very good question, Ronnie. We appreciate you. For sending in that question to us, if you have something on your mind, principalpreservationservices.com. Mike, I know you can schedule a complimentary retirement review right now online by doing clicking the blue button you have on the front. But for anybody that does that and is kind of curious what the next step is, can you quickly take us through that process? 
Yeah, when somebody calls or goes online, um, my assistant Jess, uh, she'll reach out. She's got the English accent, <laughs> so she's she's not a telemarketer, um, and she'll give you a call, and we'll set up. We call this a, a discovery meeting. We just have you come in with as much information as you can, whether it's your statements and life insurance and expenses and any kind of documentation, social security statements, and we're going to just ask you a lot of questions, get to know you, so we can gather the information we need to input into our software to show you um, this is the the way you're approaching retirement today without us. Uh, we just want to give you an idea. This is the path you're on as is. And then when we establish that, make sure our numbers are right in that second meeting to show you how you're approaching retirement. We'll do a third meeting to give us some recommendations. And we'll spend that next you know hour, hour and a half uh, time to go over uh, comparing the two, what you're doing and what we're doing, and then also if you, the fourth meeting, if you want to move forward, we can help. We can move forward. If you don't, well, we don't. Uh, or if you want to just do a question answer follow up meeting, we can do that as well. So uh, we're slow pace. We're not here to. It's not our way of the highway. Uh, we want to get to know you. We want to educate you, and it's a slow process. There's no uh, no pressure here at this office. All right. Again, you can go to principalpreservationservices.com. You'll see the big blue button. Schedule your, your complimentary retirement review now. And you can also just kind of do more research on what Mike and his team offer and a lot of the guides and resources and tools that they provide you just by visiting the website as well. So, Mike, we thank you for your time today. Hopefully we help somebody avoid one of these critical money mistakes today on the podcast. I hope so. That's our goal in doing this. If we just help one person, it's worth it, right? Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you listening today. If you haven't subscribed, please do that, and uh, we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. Again, for Mike Coyne and founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services, I am Ben George. Have a good week. Investment advisory services offered through Alpha Star Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Alpha Star, Principal Preservation Services, LLC, and Principal Wealth Services, LLC are separate and independent entities. Insurance products are offered through Principal Preservation Services, LLC, a Minnesota and Wisconsin insurance agency. Investment advice is offered through Principal Wealth Services, LLC. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products offered by Principal Preservation Services, LLC. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered or guaranteed by AlphaStar.